The Atlanta Braves offense gets it going with a big series win over the Arizona Diamondbacks, plus a couple of rising prospects get promoted to the next level. We'll talk about that on today's episode of Locked On Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, welcome back to Lockdown Braves, part of Lockdown Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Also, make sure you check out my written work over at bravestoday.com. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at lockdown underscore braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. Always enjoy hearing from you the listener and trying to make this show as much as your show as anything else and be as interactive with you as I can. Thank you so much to all of those who make Lockdown Braves your first listen of each and every day. We post episodes daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday. And I want to give a shout out to some of my everydayers who commented on Friday's mailbag episode and go back and give that a listen. It was a good discussion there. Jason Sather from California said he's out in Dodger territory there. So send all the prayers out to Jason. Kevin Caps from Tennessee, Gabriel Bonilla, Josh Donaldson from North Carolina. I don't think it's that Josh Donaldson, but hey, never know. And Ian Greenholz and Gary Gibson. So thanks so much for again to all our everydayers out there and becoming part of that gang. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MLB today to get 10% off your first month. All right, it is our Miners Monday episode, so we'll be doing our minor league recap here in a little bit. Got a couple of players who were promoted who I uh, was talking about a lot last week, and David McCabe and Cedric D. Grand Prix, we'll talk about them, and they continue to roll up at the next level as well. But I got to start it out with the weekend in Arizona and got off to a little bit of a rough start. This road trip in particular got off to a pretty rough start, but ended in grand fashion on Sunday afternoon. So going to discuss that. Let's start with Eddie Rosario because it was the Eddie Rosario series. Six for 13, three home runs, seven runs batted in. He's now on a six-game hit streak. And look, let's be honest, I'll you know tell you when I'm wrong when, I, when I'm wrong. And, you know, I even did an episode last week. I wrote an article last week talking about left field options because through the first two months of the season, it looked more like the Eddie Rosario we saw Last year, it's the 25% strikeout rate that really is alarming to me because when Eddie Rosario is being Eddie Rosario, he's only striking out about 15% of the ball, percent of the time, and he's putting the ball in play. We hadn't seen that from Eddie so far this year. And look, he is the veteran. Even when I did that podcast and wrote that article, I said I think he's going to continue to get opportunities out there just because of this, because he still has this type of potential he's a veteran player has some good pop and again i think he's been maybe better than you would expect defensively in the outfield it certainly isn't great at times but you know i don't think it's been that much of a detriment out there in left field but what a weekend for eddie rosario i mean absolutely huge he needed it again i wasn't really a a good player wasn't even as good as i was hoping he might be coming off the eye surgery this year. And again, for me, it's just the the contact rate. That's not what you're used to seeing 
with Eddie Rosario, but was great in this series. Again, the two home runs in the first game, the only offense for the Braves, and had the big grand slam on Sunday to give the Braves the lead and ultimately the win. And maybe he just loves playing against West Coast teams. I don't know, but either way, much needed um, good weekend you know, good series, good road trip, really, for Eddie Rosario. Like I said, he's on a six-game hit streak now, so couldn't have come at a better time. Also, Ozzy Albies had a, a good day as well, four-hit day. Uh, he needed that. He had been struggling a little bit lately as well. And then I got to talk about A.J. Smith-Shawver keeping it on Sunday's game. Finally got to see him pitch, and, and it was special. And, you know, I've gone back and I watched the outing again as I kind of just listening on Sunday, then went back and watched it again on Monday morning. and. You could tell in that first inning, a little ramped up. Everything was missing up in the zone, was able to get away with it because I think the stuff is is that good. First battery face did rope a 96-mile-per-hour fastball up and away straight to Eddie Rosario, speaking of his defense, in left field. But after that, I thought he really settled down in that second inning, started to locate a little bit better, especially that slider. Was able to start to locate it better down in the zone. Got three strikeouts. I mean, two and a third, no hits, one walk, no earn and three strikeouts. That's a pretty good uh, debut for A.J. smith Shaver, especially when you consider the fact he hadn't pitched in 10 days. He got called up. I think the Braves were probably hoping there were going to be some blowouts on the Braves side in that Oakland series, and you could kind of ease him in there. But no, they bring him in in Arizona against one of the best lineups, one of the best hottest teams in baseball right now. Bring him in to face the top of the order in a two-run game. Um, so, I mean, that was a pretty high leverage. I wouldn't call it high leverage, but there was definitely some leverage there for A.J. Smith-Shawver when he came into that game. And again, after that first inning where it seemed like, obviously, maybe some emotions were playing into it and was missing up with a lot of pitches, I thought he really settled down after that and looked really good. So, really excited for it. Happy for him, as you know, listening to the podcast. When you listen to these Miners Monday podcasts, you know how high I am on A.J. Smith-Shawver. So, Really excited to see him get this opportunity and to shine. You never know what that mental hurdle might look like for a player going from at 20 years old, going from the minors to the big leagues. And, you know, he was able to hold his, hold everything together and go out there and get some outs and pitch like he has really all season long throughout the minor league ranks. So could be a huge boost for this bullpen if you get somebody like A.J. Smith-Shawler with the stuff that he has one thing that maybe concerned me a little bit is I saw a couple of 93s in there as well, and that's a big difference from 93 to 97. You know, I don't, I don't know what the reason for that is, but you would hope in shorter stints that maybe he could air it out a little bit more. So I'd love to see more, obviously, 96, 97, just because that plays up better than with that curveball uh, or that, that slider that he has. He did, does have a curveball as well, but, you know, would like to see – that stay more consistent with the fastball, but I mean, can't say much more about a kid in his debut at 20 against that lineup and what he was able to do. So really excited to see what he can add to that bullpen out there. Maybe he gets a start at some point. Speaking of starters, not a great start for Michael Soroka. Three and two thirds, seven hits, four walks, five earned, two home runs, and two strikeouts. And you know, was fine the first time through the order. Had a couple of walks there. Location was the big key in this one. I tweeted out the spray, spray chart on his pitches from Oakland to Arizona. And, yes, you're facing a much better lineup in Arizona. But you look at that tweet and you can easily visually see 
where he was just missing a lot in location, specifically with the slider. It's kind of all over the place, whereas in Oakland, you could see they were grouped together, you know, right off the plate, down and away from righties, down and in to lefties, and that changeup is just all over. He, the changeup was a non-factor on Sunday. So, you know, when those two pitches aren't going for him and hitters can – good hitters like the Arizona Diamondbacks have can key in on those fastballs, that sinker and that four-seamer – you know, they're going to hit it hard, and they did. And, um, you know, he was leaving those pitches up a lot as well. He did give up a bloop hit to Perdomo with two outs. That one really hurt, but he walked the runner to put him on base, and he had a wild pitch to put him in scoring position. So that's on him. And he got a lot of two outs. And the Diamondbacks throughout this series had a lot of big two-out hits. And Soroka talked about that after the game, getting to two outs and then just not able to finishing off something he needs to improve on. But, again, for me, it was a miss location not having command of that slider and change up then being able to kind of sit on those fastballs up in the zone and in the third inning they said he got to two outs he gave up the homer to corbin carroll 107 mile per hour exit velocity on a four seamer up and away next it matter gets a single 108 miles per hour on a sinker that was up another single a 109 mile per hour exit velocity on a sinker and then gives up a 84 mile per hour um single on a slider so you can see the difference there they were just absolutely crushing his fastballs and again a lot of them were being left up in middle of the zone and good hitters are going to typically do that you go to the the fourth inning as well you got two outs and then a walk and then a homer 107 mile per hour exit velocity on a four seamer inside to tell Marte actually wasn't terribly located but again when hitters know you're having trouble locating your off-speed pitches and they can sit on those fastballs. Makes it a lot easier when you can, you know, sit on one pitch as a major league hitter. And they've certainly seemed to be doing that. He did give up a double on a changeup as well and then walked batter before getting pulled in that fourth inning. So not a great start for Soroka, but I think if you wanted to look at something encouraging, I think a lot of the struggles were location. And it's a guy that you know, hasn't pitched a lot, obviously, in the last two and a half years now so you can understand if maybe the command is still a little bit rusty still believe the stuff is there but gotta you know obviously do a better job with two outs and gotta do a better job executing those pitches and locating those off-speed pitches ronald's big weekend six hits three stolen bases four runs a home run that still hasn't landed the guy just keeps doing incredible stuff and you look at his baseball savant page right now it's just absolutely absurd a hundredth percentile and average exit velocity he is averaging a hard hit every time he puts the ball in play he's averaging a hard hit ball of 95 miles per hour or harder he has 100 percentile and expected woba 100 percentile and expected batting average 100th percentile and expected slugging percentage and 100th percentile in arm strength it's just insane. I mean, we talk about it all the time. We talk about it here. We talk about it on the postcast. What Ronald Acuna Jr. is doing right now is just, it's unreal. So enjoy it. It's been a lot of fun. Hopefully it will continue. And But what's really maybe impressed me the most, a 13.7% K rate and an 11% walk rate. I mean, he is walking almost as much as he's striking out this year. He's cut his strikeout rate down almost 10%. That, to me, is just as amazing as some of those other things that we talked about. Um, all right, we're going to get to the offense. I haven't even done that yet. I did want to point out the Marcelo Zuna situation. The good with Marcelo Zuna, it looked more like the Ozuna that was hot in May. So really good at bats, a couple of walks, uh, three hits as well, no strikeouts 
did just play in two of the games in Arizona. The bad, admired a ball that he hit 415 feet. You got to know that wall is there in Arizona, and you got to really make sure that it goes out in center field in Arizona. Would have been out in 26 other ballparks. You got to run. You can't watch it. You can't admire that one. I know he hit it a long way, but still, you got to know. He ends up getting benched for it. Look, I feel like, and I said this on the postcast, I feel like this is more a message to the team, which has been, made. I think, a lot of players. I think Ozuna's taking the brunt of this. Do you bench it if it's Acuna, if it's Olsen, if it's Riley? I don't know. Maybe Snickers still does. I feel like Ozuna's bearing the brunt of what's been a lot of frustration with this team over the last three or four weeks where they made a lot of mental mistakes like this, particularly defensively, but even uh, base running as well. I feel like there's been a lot of mental mistakes for this Braves team, and I think Snicker saw this as an opportunity, maybe unfairly, to go after a guy like Ozuna and say, wake up, stop making these mental mistakes, start playing like you are capable of, start playing like the great team that you are. I don't, maybe, maybe not. That's just kind of what it felt like to me. Yeah, it was bad what Ozuna did, and he probably deserved to get benched for it. But again, I feel like this was more a message to the entire team to wake up, stop making these mental mistakes. You cannot, you cannot relax. You cannot be complacent, which was a great word that Grant McCullough used on the postcast when talking about this, because I feel like that's what it is. I feel like maybe the Braves have become a little complacent. They're not used to being front runners here the last couple of years, and now they are. You can't have that. you got to stay mentally focused and win these games. When you go and lose two to three in Oakland, something tells me you're not mentally focused. So I think this was an opportunity and a great job by Snicker if it was to just call out a player here, bench them, and then you send a message to the entire team to wake up. And they did, and they ultimately ended up winning this game. So hopefully that works out. We see the Braves playing better all around. One thing that was much better – in this weekend, first of all, the bullpen, nine and a third scoreless innings. Colin McHugh looked really good, came in on Sunday, kind of settled things down, got a big strikeout there in relief of Soroka to get out of a little bit of a mess there. So great job by McHugh, Chavez, Nick Anderson, Iglesias pitched twice, A.J. Smith-Shaver that we talked about, and then A.J. Minter didn't throw a single cutter in 10 pitches. You go back to the episode I did talking about A.J. Minter and his struggles it's been the cutter that is getting absolutely crushed when he leaves it over the plate. Now, he still needs that cutter to become dominant, but he's got to be able to locate it better. And honestly, it doesn't need to be thrown in the strike zone because if it's in the strike zone right now, it's getting absolutely crushed. It needs to be a put-away pitch for him on off the plate. But he can still get hitters out, as we saw on Sunday, just using that 96-97 mile-per-hour fastball. So good stuff there from the bullpen. But maybe the most encouraging thing from the weekend in Arizona is the offense coming around. 15 runs on the weekend may not seem like a lot, but 13 of those came in the last two games. 32 hits, though, does seem like a lot, especially in a series where you faced Zach Gallon. 14 walks as well is tremendous for this Braves offense. Did strike out 22 times. They struck out 10 times in two games and just two times in one of the other games. But 15, but 32 hits, 14 walks. There's a lot of pressure on the opposing team and the opposing pitchers. Ten extra base hits as well. We're accustomed to them uh, with the extra base, getting the extra base hits. But I thought this was a highly encouraging weekend from the offense. You want to look at the one negative, four for 25 with runners in scoring position. That's still an issue. But this looked more like the offense we're accustomed to, where they're putting pressure on the opposing pitcher, the opposing team. Every inning, it seemed like they're having 
uh, an opportunity to score runners on base. So that's the offense that we're used to seeing. Hopefully that's the offense we see going forward because I thought it was much better this weekend. All right, a lot to cover there from the past weekend. Well, next we're looking to our Miners Monday where, like I said, we got a couple of rising prospects in McCabe and D. Grand Prix who moved up and still looked really good at the next level. We'll talk about them next. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same way when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part fits just right. The first time around, just add your ride to My Garage and look for the green check part check mark to know your part will fit or your money back because just like in sports confidence is the name of the game when you shop on ebay motors and with over 122 million parts to choose from you'll be back in the game in no time after all it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed get the right parts the right fit and the right prices on ebaymotors.com ebay guaranteed fit only available to u.s customers eligible items only exclusions apply the Braves will play the Mets on Tuesday night at 7.20 p.m. Eastern. They'll be back home for a three-game series between uh, the Braves and the Mets. The NL East rivals catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Braves. All right, I mentioned we had the mailbag episode on Friday. A lot of good questions there. You want to go back and check that out. We'll have our regular segments coming up this week. Obviously, have our Miners Monday today, our, our Talk of Tuesday on Tuesday. There's something you want to talk about something that you think we need to discuss, let me know. Then we'll have our Stat of the Day Wednesday, Through the League Thursday, and another Mailbag Friday. So a lot of great stuff there. Obviously have the postcast with me and Grant McCauley as well this week with that big series against the Mets. We'll be looking out for that. But it is Monday, so it is our Monday Miners Recap. We'll start, as we always do, with our top prospects. And look, a lot of these top prospects are either in the big leagues or they're not playing right now so i may have to update this here pretty soon but jared schuster is in the big leagues five and a third innings three hits four walks two earned one strikeout in the month of may with atlanta 22 innings pitch just 10 hits allowed did walk 10 batters which is a little concerning nine earned runs and 16 strikeouts i told you after his last start in oakland that one has me not feeling as great about schuster long term i thought he actually got pretty lucky against a bad lineup in that game. So curious to see his next outing. He's actually going to get skipped and then he'll face Washington over the weekend. So we'll see how that goes, but overall he's been much better since coming back up. Owen Murphy, three innings, four hits, two walks, four earned, uh, two strikeouts. One of the uh, bad performances, rare bad performances we've seen from the, one of the Braves top picks last year, J.R. Ritchie, Tommy John surgery out for the year last year. I don't know why I forgot that, but Want to make sure that I mention it. Unfortunately, Richie is out for the season. A.J. smith Shaver up with the Braves. We already talked about him a lot today. Still haven't seen Cole Phillips. Still haven't seen Darius Fines this year. Braden Shoemake, I sent out a tweet about him as well. Just four for 25 this past week. Home run, five walks, eight strikeouts. Since that 10-day hiatus after he was called up with the Braves, been really bad since going back down to Gwinnett. Don't know if that hiatus had anything to do with it or – Maybe he just isn't as good of a hitter as we saw in spring training and, you know, the two-plus weeks before he got called up. You know, still a long way to go this season with Braden Shoemake. You want to see him get that hit tool around because the defense is there. Um, you know, maybe he is just a, a super utility-type player. Maybe that's what his ultimate role is. That's what I always kind of thought it would be for him. But he 
showed a little bit of promise to us in spring training and even, like I said, early in the season with Gwinnett. So you'd love to see that continue, but just isn't there right now for Shoemake. Spencer Schwellenbach, one of his best outings in his very young professional career. Six innings, four hits, one walk, no earned, four strikeouts on the season now. And they've been very cautious with him, his pitch counts and innings. 29 and a third innings and nine starts, 24 hits, 10 walks, just five earned runs, 24 strikeouts, a 153 ERA, and a 1.16 whip. You wonder if maybe they call him up pretty soon, but again, no reason to rush him at this point. Ambioris Tavares mentioned last week he got sent down to the FCL. That season starts this week, so we could see a lot of these young international signings for the Braves start action this coming up week at the FCL level, so that could be a lot of fun. Dylan Dodd, three innings pitch, five hits, one walk, six earned runs, two home runs, three strikeouts. You look at his season now at Gwinnett, it's it's really unfortunate. I don't know if the yo-yo back and forth between the Braves and Gwinnett have any effect here, but... This is a kid that was a really promising prospect coming into the season, had a great spring training, but really has been bad this year, to be quite honest. Seven starts at Gwinnett this year, a 7-8-0 ERA, a 1.70 whip, 30 innings, 38 hits, 13 walks, 31 strikeouts, a 306 average against. He's just getting hit all over the ballpark, so... I don't know if there needs to be a reset there for Dylan Dodd or what, but it has been a rough year for him, a kid who I think was on the rise in the Braves system before he had that breakout in spring training, but it's been a real struggle for him. And it's been a struggle for my guy, Ignacio Alvarez. I got to be honest here, as much as I've pumped him up, you know, I got to be real whenever he's not at his best. Three for 18 last week, four walks, six strikeouts. And you look at his last two weeks now, he's just five for 40. That's a 125 average. And his average has dropped, his season average has dropped from 303 to 260. Now, he was pulled after just one at bat on Sunday. So hopefully there hasn't been an injury or something going on there with him. Hopefully there's nothing wrong. Kevin Kilpatrick got pulled in that early in that game as well. So I don't know if that was planned. Maybe there was some weather in the area or what, but we'll obviously keep you updated on that. But it's been a struggle for Nacho Alvarez at the plate here lately. And he's a guy, he hasn't shown the power. I still think it's a possibility to see him, you know, at least 15 home run potential in the future. But he's a guy, if you're not going to have the power, you got to have the on base, which he still is taking his walks. And you got to, you got to see that average near 283, 300 for him. So hopefully he gets on track. Hopefully he's okay. And him getting pulled on Sunday was nothing. Uh, But again, we'll keep you updated there. Now going through each level down at Gwinnett, Eli White, Three home runs this past week. Did have 10 strikeouts, uh, but he's having a solid season down there at Gwinnett. Forrest Wall as well, 11 for 28 this past week. All singles, so not a lot of power there for Forrest Wall, but also six walks. So you have a week where you have 11 hits and six walks. He also stole six six bases. Pretty impressive stuff there. I've mentioned before, I think he could be a a sneaky add to maybe a postseason roster or somebody with a lot of of speed. Um, Von Grissom. Uh, sent out a tweet about him last week as well. He has been crushing it at AAA, and it's – go ahead and give you a stats for last week. 11 for 29, three doubles, two walks, five strikeouts. Hit tool is not a problem. We, we know that, and, and we know finding a place for him to play, and there obviously is the DH, is the issue right now for Vaughn Grissom. And I haven't been watching him every day at Gwinnett. I don't know if the defense has gotten any better or looked, looked any better, but – we know that's the, the issue right now. 
it is amazing to me how quickly Braves fans have turned on this guy. And I think somewhat unfairly, but it seems like every time I try to talk about Von Grissom or anybody talks about Von Grissom, it's immediately like, like he's easy trade bait. There's no future for him on this team. And maybe you're right. And I'm not saying those people are wrong, but it's just, it's crazy to me how many Braves fans have so quickly kind of turned on this kid. I, I don't know. That's just uh, something that has struck me as odd uh, that I felt was worth mentioning here. But look, you're all entitled to your own opinions and thoughts, but this kid's a good hitter and he's still so young. And it feels like everybody's just so ready to give up on him. And maybe he does get traded at the deadline. I do still believe he is the Braves' best trade chip. And if they're going to make a big move at the deadline, I think it has to involve him. But I also think there's a future here for Vaughn Grissom. You can't just give up on that hit tool like that. Um, but either way, he's had a great season at AAA. Alan Winans as well has had a great season at AAA. Seven innings, four hits, no walks, no earned, six strikeouts this past week. And now on the year for Winans, a 2.91 ERA, a 1.06 whip. 58 and two-thirds innings, just 51 hits allowed, 11 walks, 56 strikeouts. So he has had a good season there. Maybe somebody to keep an eye on if it gets to that point. The Braves need another starter. Tanner Gordon as well, starting to get it going at AAA since getting called up. Seven innings, four hits, two walks, three earned, five strikeouts in his last outing. And then Nick Margavichus, five innings, two hits, no walks, no earned, three strikeouts. Want to mention him as well because he played at Ryder. And if you paid attention to the regionals this past weekend, Ryder had a big upset win over host Coastal Carolina. And the game ended, bases loaded, one run game, two outs, and it was an incredible catch, diving catch by the center fielder to win the game for Ryder. Just one of the best moments of regionals weekend for me. So uh, if you didn't see that, I wanted to point it, uh, point it to your attention so you can maybe go back and check that out because it was a, it had me jumping out of my seat. So big shout out to Ryder and Nick Margavichus. Down at Mississippi, Justin Dean, 10 for 24 this past week. Like Forest Wall, all singles and like Forest Wall, eight walks as well. Getting on base a ton, a 563 on base percentage for the week. One stolen base. Luke Waddell, 9 for 25, 11 runs scored, a double, a homer, seven walks, and three strikeouts. You know, Waddell got called up to AAA. There was a need there as the Braves, you know, had a need at the big big league level. It didn't go great there, but good to see him getting on track at Mississippi. Good hitter. Uh, Landon Stevens, 8 for 19, two doubles, two home runs. Drew Lugbauer, 7 for 18. Uh, three doubles, four walks, and five strikeouts. Good to see the strikeouts down for him. Um, Mississippi really took advantage of my hometown Birmingham Barons here, who are pretty rough uh, this year. Offense really got it going there. Luis Diavila, six innings, one hit, four walks, no earned, seven strikeouts. And Domingo Robles, start of the year at Gwinnett was rough, but he's been really good since going down to Mississippi. Um, six innings, five hits, one walk, one earned, and six strikeouts. Moving down to Rome, and this to me was one of the highlights of the week. We've been talking about David McCabe and Cedric de Grand Prix over the past couple of weeks. Uh, well, they both got promoted from Augusta to Rome, and they were two of the better players at Rome this past week. McCabe, 6-for-21, led the team in hits this past week, had a home run, four walks, two strikeouts. So he is on fire right now, and that is great to see. And then Cedric de Grand Prix, five and two-thirds, four hits, no walks, no earned and four strikeouts in his first start at Rome. Uh, some other notables, Rob Griswold, just wanted to say that name, cool name, four innings in two games, four hits, no walks, seven strikeouts. Daniel Martinez, five innings, three hits, no walks, no earn, and six strikeouts. 
And then finally at Augusta, EJ Exposito, eight for 21, a double, three walks and six strikeouts. Ethan Workinger, seven, seven for 25, three home runs. It seems like I'm seeing those guys in the box score every night. They've been doing great work down there at Augusta. Jorge Bautista on the mound, six innings, four hits, one walk, no earn, and four strikeouts. So that's your Miners Monday recap. I do want to talk a little bit about the MLB draft, and I'll do that here next So it's an off day for the Braves on Monday before they get set up for that big series against the Mets. I'll preview that more on Tuesday's episode. But I did want to just quickly talk about the MLB draft. I said we'll be doing that more on these minor Mondays episodes leading up to the draft. Just a couple of guys who I watched over the weekend during regional play that really impressed me. These are Some of these guys have been on my radar for a while, but you know, obviously watching them in regionals kind of elevates that a little bit. One of those guys is Hurston Waldrip for Florida, a guy that I love. I think he may have the second best stuff of any college pitcher in this draft behind Paul Skeens, you know, maybe Chase Dolander and maybe uh, Rhett Lauder for Wake Forest. But I think Hurston Waldrip, you know, if he is on and he can locate, he has really, really good stuff. So I uh, was glad to get, you know, my eyes on him. Uh, I think, he, you know, he had a good start for Florida. Um, also for Florida, Josh Rivera is just a guy, you know, somebody who loves shortstops. This kid has just really gone off this year, and I believe he's a senior, so it'd be a pretty easy sign. Not somebody I would take with my first two picks, but maybe with that 70th overall pick, a college shortstop, again, who I think maybe you could probably get under slot. I think he can stay at shortstop. He's not going to make a bunch of flashy plays, but the the – the mechanics are just very smooth and he makes all the plays that he should, but he's really gone off with the bat this week and he's had a good weekend in the regionals. Andrew Pinckney as well with Alabama. Again, not somebody I'd take with my first two picks, but if you wanted to take him with the 70th pick or maybe even the one after that, I think you could and maybe save a little bit of money there, but he has a cannon of an arm. You put him and Acuna in the corner outfields, nobody is running on these two guys. He has an absolute cannon as well. And he's really come around with the bat. I really liked him. You know, every year I've watched him at, at Alabama and he hit a, hit a ball this weekend as well. It almost took the scoreboard down in left field. So really good bat, really good instincts as well. Saw him tag up on a line drive to the left fielder from second base to third base. So just really good baseball instincts. And like I said, really good defender with a big arm and the bat is there as well. So Pinkney's a guy that I look forward, maybe that, that second, third round range. Dylan Campbell, another outfielder for Texas. Somebody I'd take it, maybe that number 94 or 126 overall pick. Again, if you wanted to take a somewhat safe college bat, he's kind of coming around with the power this year. He is a bit of a, a smaller guy, but a, a guy who's just absolutely hit. And again, I think he has some sneaky pop in him. Chase Davis and Braden Taylor, a couple of college bats. I don't know if I'd take with my first overall pick. I think Chase Davis in the latest ESPN mock was actually who they had the Braves taking in the first round. I don't know that they're worth that first first round pick for me, but if they fell to that second pick, which is 59th overall, and I don't know that they do, uh, you know, some really intriguing bats. Watch Chase Davis over the weekend. He's got all the swagger in the world. He's a Carlos Gonzalez just lookalike. Um, but he's really shot up boards. So I don't think there's any way he makes it uh, out of the first round. And Braden Taylor for TCU is just 
mashed, and he's had a great tournament out there in Fayetteville. So he'd be another bat to watch. But, again, I don't know that either of those guys may get to that 59th overall pick. Uh, but if they did, I think they'd be some great value there. So continue to talk about the MLB draft, especially throughout the college baseball postseason here, which is just a lot of fun. Again, if you're not tuning into that, it's going to have Super Regionals coming up this weekend. If you're listening to this on Monday, there's going to be some really good games on Monday night as well. But we'll keep prepping you for the MLB draft. The Braves and the Mets play at Tuesday at 7.20 p.m. Eastern. Bryce Elder takes his MLB leading ERA to the mound. Catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Braves. That will do it for this episode of Locked on Braves. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks again to all my everydayers out there. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LockedOn underscore Braves. You can follow me at ShortstopBall. Also, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the Locked on Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. D.C. Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked on Yankees. Locked on Mariners. Locked on Mets. Locked on Angels. And you're listening to Locked on Braves. Locked on Braves. Locked on Braves. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. 